Did you know that we are closer in time today to the middle of the 21st century than we are to the launch date of the Sega Saturn? What? Yeah. But that said, 2023 was a pretty awesome year for the Saturn. And in this episode, we're going to take a look back at how and why. Excellent. Excellent. The Sega Saturn is so great and fascinating. It is the greatest wonder of the universe. Ah. Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Sega Saturn Shiro podcast and happy 2024. I can't believe how fast the last year has gone by but here we are in 2024 and we're going to have a pretty interesting episode uh, for you all today and what we're going to do is just take a look back at all of the amazing Saturn you know, developments, events, uh, and happenings of the last year, because there's been a lot. And I feel like every year there's more and more, and it's just such a joy to be part you know, of that vibrant Saturn community where uh, you know, it seems like every time you turn your head there's a new development, but uh, we're going to focus on all the, the cool new things that we got to experience uh, you know, through our Saturns in 2023. So your hosts today are myself, Saturn Dave, and Trainical Pat. We're going to have a really uh, awesome discussion, and we're going to just start off doing what we always do, and we're just going to talk about what ha- we have been up to since the last time we recorded. And Dave, do you want to maybe uh, get us kicked off? Yeah, Dave, let's see what you uh, got going on. <laughs> sure. Uh, since the last time we recorded, well, it's been a while, but uh, we, we, Pat and I went to this little... Uh, shindig called prge oh yes uh, we met up with portland we met gaming up with retro Ni- expo yes portland retro gaming expo we portland, met up with portland, our portland, buddy portland. nick panda for the first time in the flesh uh nothing sexual but <laughs> i mean everything you sexual know, to be honest everything sexual i, I don't know it I was, just don't it, was, it, was a, it was a shindig detail. and a half <laughs> but yeah, no we shared we shared a room we shared no and it's, uh, we shared it's getting sexy now did you share any but more yeah, you, than just a room? Like, did you guys play Gex? Did you have some Gex? I just we had some hot. Some bro- Gex. There was some, there was there was some brotherly Gex love every single night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. And no, we had a gr- we had a blast, and um, it was a lot of fun. Definitely a little more low key than last year doing the the Saturn Lounge, but a, a different experience, but a fun one nonetheless. And met a lot of people. It was uh, made a lot of connections. It was a lot of fun, and I just loved seeing Pat again um, and hanging out. Yeah. Likewise, Dave. It was, it was great seeing you and Panda. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed seeing you guys hanging out, uh, checking out the con. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and um, I'm hoping that I'm not like under the weather next year because that that kind of put a tiny damper on it for me. But at the same time, it was still in, it was still enjoyable, and I, I definitely can't wait to get back. Um, and I'm hoping that you're there next year, Peter, maybe if you can, you know, I'm you know, book it out in advance. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I'm going to see if I can prioritize that, um, to actually make it happen. Cause the last show I went to the last PRG I was at was 2019. So it's been a while, right? Like, you know, here we are in 2024. So I'm going to see if I can right. make it out this year. Um, but yeah, yeah. that will be phenomenal. So what's been, what's been on your gaming playlist? What have you been playing lately? Uh, yeah, let's see. So Tears of the Kingdom, mm. I'm kind of wrapping that up. I'm pretty much done with that. But, uh, you know, had a lot of fun with that game over the past few months. You know, I'm not 
I can't dump a ton of time into a game these days with the parenting duties and stuff like that. So I kind of play it as like a slow drip over several months. And um, yeah, it, it was fun. Um, I picked up No Man's Sky on the Switch. I'm late to the party on that, but it seems kind of neat. It was like 15 bucks, so mm. got an offer up. And I mean, it was like, it's, okay. pro- it's a lot cheaper and it's probably going to be a lot better than it was released in what? Man, oh yeah, was that sixteen that came out? I think. Yeah, well, yeah, it was released in sixteen. So, and I just completely ignored it back then because I heard you know it had work to be done and stuff. But it ha- has a bunch of patches and upgrades and stuff like that. And so, um, it, it seems it seems pretty cool for fifteen bucks. Like I couldn't pass that up. You and can't beat that uh, for I've 15 also bucks. I bought a Genesis Mini from Sega Steve at PRGE actually as a gift for Jesse. I wanted him to have kind of like some kind of a physical console, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. A, a physical Sega console he could put on his little desk in his room and associate games with something physical. Because for him, games are all like scratch on his PC, you know, the, that platform or, you know, just downloaded games on a phone and stuff like that. He has no concept of the association of physical yeah, I, I, I guess the Switch, you know, like I, all of my games are physical or cartridges and stuff like that. So I guess he does have that. But but yeah, with the older games, it's just like I wanted him to have his own little Sega console. He loves the thing. So we play that together, Streets of Rage and stuff. Um, Was it the first console or the second one that you got, the second mini? It, it's the mini one. It's the, the first, first one. mini. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I do still want to get a mini two. Um, I know that has like the Sega CD games. It has mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm. few of them, but recently I picked up a mega SD from Pat. Um, and that's nice. rocking like the entire library of Sega CD 32 X. I want full mister, my Genesis. friend. I have no use for a mega SD anymore. There, yeah. <laughs> so Pat's <laughs> rocking the mister. I mean, I even got rid of my, my Sega CD I had because I just didn't use it. Wow. I mean, Pat, but then again, Pat's been, Pat's been pumping up the mister for years now. You were like one of the original people back when you really had to like cobble it together yourself and there weren't any like beautiful cases for it and everything like that. You were one of the OGs when with the mister. Yeah, I still got to get a new video board for that because the other one's like a blue tent on there. So I need to figure out why I mean, I had a blue tent on my mister. So it kind of sucks. Really? Uh, on you, uh, just on the video feed, just the you analog got, like, board tent? only. Not the, the, oh, the HDMI, the it's just the the analog board of it. I'll figure it out. It's probably something stupid, so I'll go... Uh, it was like interference related or something. Maybe. Like I'll, I'll, I'm going to buy another one, and I'll see if that fixes it. Interesting. Yeah, no, um, there's there's a few other things, but I'll kick it over to Pat and see what he's been up to. Man, where do I start? Um, besides the vinyl collecting and stuff with the Steely Dan we talked about on the show a little while ago, a lot of just like, you know, Warhammer stuff, playing that, getting that together. Uh, Gaming-wise, I'm really excited for The Mister right now, going through that, playing that, uh, trying to play more games. I've been playing PSO a lot on the Dreamcast. I know I'm nice. kind of late. Like Saying I'm late to the boat would be an understatement. It's like the boat already has been dismantled. The boat no <laughs> longer exists. It's in the graveyard, and it's well, like I'm so trying wait, to get, Pat. get on it. So is this like, but this isn't your first time playing PSO, right? No, 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 not not the first one. But I the fir- I had never really played on official servers because I wasn't able to play back ah. there because my mom was like, "No, you can't uh, connect the Dreamcast <laughs> to the the internet." <laughs> okay, so so fun fact: Peter has never played PSO, and I keep telling him he so he he is a Sonic f- 
team fan. Like he loves mm-hmm. Sonic team games. He loves Knights, right? Not and I keep telling him, apparently. You need to play PSO. Can you so do something for me right now? Pitch it. Sell him on playing PSO in 2023. Well, it'll be 2024 when this is released. So you're playing on servers, right, with other people? Yeah, this is the first one. So so how so how do you do that, and how can Peter do that? Like, you, you, he just needs like a dream pie, right? He needs one of those dream pies. Well, no, I I mean he could do that, but I I like I like to keep it simple. I just got the broadband adapter, and just mm. connect it in, into my uh, Ethernet, and it works. And it works. And you're playing with you just got a uh, you just got the uh, second revision disc, right? Yeah. At, at PRG, you yeah. bought uh, what was it version one point two? Uh, no, it's it's Fantasy Star Online version two. Oh, version two. That's right. It's yeah, Star I had Online I had version, version two. one, but I realized oh wait, it needs to be two. And I thought I had two for the longest time, but apparently I just had one. Okay. So I went and bought that. So now I finally have one and two. So I think that puts my Dreamcast games about eighty five. I think amount. And of are you just using there. the official product key? Are you just using like that official? key that came with it well i didn't i didn't at first i had to use a uh, a fan thing like a like a, uh-huh. a fan made thing but now i can actually activate it but i'm not sure if you could do it on an account that you already have been playing on okay so i don't know how feasible that would be but i could try and what what something. server what server are you playing with uh just right the sur- the servient one i think it was called S- silverant okay silverant. cool or whatever i don't know peter like, i highly highly recommend that you do i highly recommend honestly the the things that dreamcast when i heard is not the, the the like the the definitive version i think the definitive one is blueburst on the gamecube true mm. but if you want to con- if if you want to keep it contextual and you want to kind of con- you know, experience it like you would have, you know, back yeah. in 2000, 2001, you know, um, that would have been the way to go, you know, uh, with the Dreamcast version. But yeah, I mean, you're having fun with it, Pat? I am. I'm in a lot of fun with it. I, pl- I usually just play it online and stream it. So I play with people that are online, like, you know, uh, I play with Trekkies, Night of Dragon, mm. uh, Shadow Mask, and it's all oh. online. Like, I only stream when I play online with people. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. I think it's a good, uh, good little, little fun thing to do with the Dreamcast and motivate me to mm-hmm. play a game. So honestly, I don't fun. mean to throw you under the bus, Peter, but, but I'm gonna keep nagging you about it until you do more, more, more than anything because I want you to write an article about it. You, he, Peter did. Uh, Peter, it's funny. You you did Resident Evil in like 2022 or something. You know, playing Resident Evil on the Saturn for the first time, and and here are my thoughts. And you also yeah. did that with Mist. Yeah. And I found those articles so incredible because it's like, here's a like fish out of water kind of. You know, it's yeah. like you have this unique perspective of never having played it, and so you're not like gonna fall back on any kind of previous nostalgia or anything. You're just like, this is my snapshot opinion of what it's like to play this game. So I'm really interested in knowing what you think about it, considering it's a Sonic Team game. Is this going to be a one-word, art, two-word article, bad game? <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, the music alone, the music alone shoots it up to like 75%. You know, like that alone, car- the music alone just carries the game. But then on top of that, it's just, it's phenomenal. Okay. So, but I, that, I, that I, might boost yeah. it to just decent game in the article, and that's it. <laughs> decent game <laughs> next okay so Pause. next I'll, I'll i'll say what have you been okay so with, with respect to final to fantasy star online i'll say this i it's just like with the nintendo 64 where i didn't really play too many n64 games because i detested the controller but a few months ago i got myself a uh 
uh, wireless retro fighters N64 controller, mm-hmm. and that has really mm-hmm. made it so much easier and fun to get into the N64 library. So a few mm. months ago, Retro Fighters announced a very similar design Dreamcast wireless controller. And I was like, yep. So I signed up for that day one. It's as of this recording, it hasn't released yet. Uh, but when it does and it comes in, I fully expect that I'm going to just launch right back into the uh, Dreamcast library. Because I've got a pretty sizable Dreamcast collection too. I'd say maybe a third of the games. I've got both the final, uh, both the um, Fantasy Star Online games. I just haven't really dove into them. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. if I've got a way more comfortable wireless controller, Bob's your uncle. I, I just might, you know, dive right in. So that might be sort of my gateway drug. And you have the keyboard? You got um, the keyboard? No, no Dreamcast keyboard. So would you say that that's required? Oh. Like, is it necessary, do you think, for the experience? It's not required. But not I mean, required. Nice. Not required, but it is nice. And, you know, you could have, like, Patrick, your little Patrick, typing away on the keyboard okay. while you're controlling the game. I mean, I could, it's I kind could of fly fun. in and type in for you if you really want to. There you to, go. That's what that's what my brother and I used to do. I, I took the controls in, and he just typed a bunch of smack talk on gotcha. the keyboard. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. I mean, the yeah, things so. that, that with the, the, avita- the avent uh, of Discord and all the other, like, voice chat mediums, right. it's kind of not as needed anymore because that's why I don't really rush out to get it. Because like this I, is true. I'm just on Discord. Like, hey, talk to me in Discord. I don't want to type in a bunch of crap. Like, I can't be. I can't understate or I can't overstate how big of an impression that made back then, right? Though, because we do have Discord, we're so desensitized to. It. But I mean, back then it was like a huge deal to be like chatting and gaming at the same time. You know, um, I didn't want to de- derail Pat's updates though. But so he did anyways. I, d- I totally <laughs> derailed Pat's updates. But aside from PSO, what have you been up to? A lot though. Besides PRGE and PSO, uh, pretty much just that. I'm making videos though. I'm, I I hopefully I got a a project I might work on. I'm still trying to wait for it. I might get a product I can review and talk about that. I'd like to do that. I'd like to do more videos. That's my goal in 2024 is to work on more video content. Mm-hmm. Something I want to do. I'm probably going to like look back as like, wow, I did, did like one video or I did no videos in 2024. But I mm-hmm. didn't really do a video and I really, I really a traditional like me filming stuff with a camera video video in 2023 or 22. The only time right. I really did that was 2021 with the bulk slash video. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the videos just well, like live content. You just got to find things to point the camera at and and just start filming. I got I got you ideas. Know. Just that I don't like I don't know like uh, how much I want to invest into doing the video. You know, I I totally get it. It's a I lot mean, of I'm work. The same like I like the the difference between what's up here in my head, what I want to do, and what I actually do is quite. Yeah, there's a quite a, a crevasse. Yeah, but when I do a <laughs> video, video I really want to do, I enjoy it. Like with the soccer was one where I was under all that pressure to do that. That was a lot of yeah. fun. Not, not. I'm not yes. being sarcastic either. That actually was a lot of fun to have right, that, you right. know, that deadline and the being underneath the hot lights of needing to get the video out, or like you know, mm-hmm. we're getting bulk slash and getting that out in time for the the release date of it. it, it there's a lot of fun, funness to that, and I really don't know if I've really felt like I'm. I'm not saying that there's nothing cool out in the community that came out that that required me to rush it, but I don't know. There's nothing that really has been like I have to rush to do a video recently mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to me so I'm hoping that I'll find more like like just do videos for fun like oh hey I'd like to make a video on the uh the the, the printer the the was it the 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 pry, pry fund fund? Or, yes yeah 
And I, fun, I yeah. really want to mm -hmm. do a two-fold where I do one on my channel, one on the Shiro channel where I talk about the Shiro, and the other one is like I make a Pokemon printer like for Pokemon Snap on the Pryphon. Nice. That's a fun sounds game, like Pokemon a, sounds Snap. Sounds like fun. I, it is. It's, it's, it was like this N64 game that I really got into, and it was a total. It took me by surprise. I thought it would just be stupid, but I enjoyed it. And mm. I'm not much of a Pokemon guy at all, uh, but I did enjoy Pokemon Snap. It was it was fun. Um, did you ever take your cart to the the to the like Blockbuster? And I print did. Your yeah you, on the kiosks. Yep. You know, yep. and I never did, and I kind of wish I had. It would have been a fun experience to have, but no. Oh, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Un unfortunately, all those all those pictures are so old that they sort of crumbled and fell off my. Binder. They just like deteriorated. Yeah. So exactly. yeah, I don't really have any of them left, like to stick on my, like stick on my binder anymore. The ones I have, I'll see if I, I have maybe some laying around, but I always took them up and stuck them stick them places. So mm -hmm. yeah, I unfortunately yeah. don't have any more of those, but I'd like to. Like I said, I'd like to do the video where I just like, you know, hey, if you want to replicate that and you don't want to spend like a couple thousand on the kiosk, here's an option you could do and then it'll be kind of fun. That would no be No pun fun. intended. And just like, you know, uh, print it kind out and stick it on your fridge or whatever. What about you, Peter? What, what have you been up to? So so for just for context, people listening to this, we're recording this, what, early November-ish? Yep. No, this and is 2024. Here, we're recording it in the new year, dude. Yes, we're totally recording this. This is in the new year. year. Welcome to the new age, to the new But when I'm age. asking Peter what he's been doing, I'm, I'm asking you like, what you've been doing this fall, right? You know? Like, what have yeah. you been doing over the past couple I mean, months? so gaming-wise, um, I've sort of finished my time with uh, Panzer Dragoon's Vi. I put a good 30 hours into it uh, to really sort of... Cause, wow. Uh, well, you know, and... I've often said I prefer the first game, but I'm not sure that I've ever mm -hmm. given the second game the due, um, you know, that mm -hmm. I that I maybe mm -hmm. could have. And so I decided to do that, right. and I I now appreciate it so much more. I'm not sure that I would say I like it better or worse than the first one. I think they are mm. they're too different to really compare that way. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um, mm, I found yeah. it to be you know a lot more refined than the first one. There's it's more of a scoring type game. Whereas the the mm -hmm. first one was more of like an abstract cinematic story type game, so so they're they're quite different from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, thirty hours and about twenty hours of gameplay, and I got to the point where I could one credit clear the game at a hundred percent, so that was good. And then I just kind of kept yeah. playing to make sure that I could see everything and do all the different you know branching paths and see all that there was to see. I think I'm there now, um, and it was. It was utterly enjoyable. I really, really liked it. So uh, for an early 96 mm -hmm. game, like it just, it blows me away, you know, like it just, it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So that's that. And what I'm playing through. Did you play it? Did you play it in like widescreen mode? Yeah, uh, I tried all the modes. So I, you d you more often than not, I stuck in four by three, but I also did uh, mm -hmm. a lot in the widescreen. And then I also mm -hmm. did where you set it to widescreen, but play in four by three. So you kind of get the slightly right. distorted. Anyways, it's fun. And there's just so many, like what I found about that game is there's so much uh, to the scoring system that's not documented anywhere. So there's cool little mm -hmm. things that I found about, oh, if you do this and then you do that, you you know, you get this scoring bonus kinda or like whatever. Kind of <laughs> like nights where there's just not, the documentation is just not there on the internet for it. So so that was a right. lot of fun. Um, so what you're saying is that we had an article coming up on uh, Panzer Dragoon? 
Zwei? Uh, so yes, it's I'm about halfway through. I'm I'm kind of putting it together. Definitely. I thought Peter already wrote an article on Zwei. So I wrote an article on the first game, a really long one. You know, many years right. ago now. Um, but right. I, I figured. To be honest with you, I want to ultimately write a really solid, good article on Saga. But there's been so much mm-hmm. done about Saga that it would have to be something How fresh, can you do it different? something different, right. right? And I figured different that perspective. It, I you should make I, a hater article. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no, like I, 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 it sounds like I'm joking, but like do one from a di- like I don't know, like when I was when I was taking like uh, writing in school, it was always like do something like interesting, like make a article on like. You yeah, know, something like like, like, like so, <laughs> something you like and like crucify it or like, you know, like make a bad review of something, which I thought was a fun exercise because it made me think critically on the thing. Like I remember in school I did a, it was a bad review of a Beatles album. So I did a review nice. with the Beatles and it was That's all about awesome. how, how much of how, how derivative it was, how much it was more or less the same as the first album, how it has a lot of issues with the stereo separation Interesting. And stuff like that, what's like it's it's like, you know, I, I I like that it's like why is like maybe make it controversial where it's like Pan's Dragon Saga, the game that's not really a Panzer game or something that makes you like, Oh, what the hell? Why'd you say that? Mm-hmm. I mean I can think of a ton I can think of several negative things to say about it and yet it's so great. Like that I don't know. It yeah, yeah. P- Peter and I were talking about it with the Sega guys, and I just feel like it's so wholly unique, you know. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Peter, though, you said uh, y- the way that you feel about, you know, Panzer versus Zvi, right? Yep. It's almost like Sonic the Hedgehog versus Sonic 2, you know? Like, Sonic 2 was wildly popular, and then, of course, 3, right? Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog, it's a much simpler, kind of just more... But, I mean, like, when I think of Sonic, I just think of that initial presentation your green hill zone you yep. know and it's that's the classic track and the classic yeah it's just like this is sonic at its very fundamental root panzer dragoon the original game it's just very clean and yep. just simple there's not a whole simple lot there but it, what's the there? way you're making me feel the night it's hard to let you got it go the orchestra, you got the orchestral track you've got yeah. um still mind-blowing visuals for the time and, and it was definitely like the it was the game to show anybody yep. if you wanted to like impress them day one with the Saturn, you know? And then Zvi just takes it up several notches and just adds so much complexity um, to the game that was already great, you know? Much in the way that, you know, Sonic 2 does, you know? Um, but, I, but I think I still like Sonic 1. And I, so I understand how you feel about like the original Panzer Dragoon because of that score and just because of yep. how... The impact you know, how, it had, how right? Sim- the impact that it had. Yeah, it can't be understated. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny, and I'm going to squirrel out just a little bit here, but uh, I remember recently telling, um, uh, saying on the, the Sega Guys cast that, um, uh, you know, I recently went back to Final Fantasy VII on the uh, original PlayStation, and I expected to like it, and I wanted to like it, and, you know, a good 15 hours in or so... Um, I, I couldn't get into it, and I, I I hated it. Like I was like, how did people love this? There's so many flaws with this, and this is broken, and that's broken, and I've I've abandoned it. I've given up on it. I'm not playing through uh, to the end of it. And it was sort of like, okay, right. but this was such an important game. It really made the case for Sony, and that's when they really kind of took off uh, versus the Saturn. Even in Japan, like w- w- what in the world were people seeing to it? And you know, it came to me just the other day that that's what Sonic One was in a way, like. 
if you think about it, it's a simple game. It's got some flaws, like some levels aren't designed the best, and you know you're not going quite as fast as you maybe could be or should be. But then you've got Green Hill Zone, and you've got that impact, and all of a sudden Sega was in the game against Mario and this and that. So to me, that's what Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII was. It was a game that right. I think had more historical impact than it necessarily uh, was like a was flawless, like a perfect, perfect game, game, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, absolutely. Right? It was and, really the big RPG that really was put in front of audiences as a, this is a movie experience, a cinematic you right? bet game experience the, the way that you know stuff like last of us and you know, games like that have become a mm-hmm. the cinematic cinematic game thing and we're looking back it's like this is a cinematic game thing it kind of the music was fantastic the way that they is. would pull you it's absolutely fantastic yep. the way that they would pull and the same can be said for sonic the hedgehog you know um i agree disagree uh, i'm just joking Oh, definitely the contrarian not. I mean, it, it, I'm absolutely but i mean the way the, the way that they would pull you into each battle with that kind of yes, you know the transition you know, and, and then you would have yeah. and then you'd have the rotating screen with it you know and I, of course it's been done it's been done to hell and back you know with so many games but i mean at the time that's the thing is context is everything and at the time it really was just like seeing it for the first time phenomenal yep. the materia system is like love it or hate it but at the time it was still like a lot to grasp for gamers and we were just like wow there's just it's so there's so much depth yes you know and of course it's just they've just refined so much rpgs in general have just become so refined that uh it is kind of crude to go back to some of that stuff you know but it's just that that impact that it had uh can't be understated it it sent ripples through the game industry ripples through you know RPGs and and same in the same way that Resident Evil did for survival horror, you know. Sure, yep. Resident Evil has been done better, but that original game was leaps and bounds from Alone in the Dark. It was just like boom, this is what a survival horror game should be. This is the building blocks or like the foundation that we're going to build on, you know. 100%. And my thing yep. is like thinking about it, it's like Peter's talking about how he doesn't like he didn't like the Final Fantasy, original Final Fantasy VII. It makes me wonder if that was how the Sega executives thought about all these RPGs that were locked in Japan on the Saturn. If it's like right, these mm. games were mm-hmm. kind of boring, kind of drag. It's not like you know, it wasn't that exciting as they thought it would be. And it's like, why would we have this when we could play? Put this on there instead of put efforts to localize this game, which you know, mm-hmm. arguably, a lot of people didn't really care as much for. You know, well, and not to mention that. RPGs would be so expensive to localize because there's so much text and everything, right? Like, versus, say, a fighting game or a shmup or whatever, that that takes no time at all to localize. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. But you know what? So, I was a teenager in the mid-'90s when the PlayStation was out and when Sega was deciding not to bring a lot of RPGs to the West. Sony was really kind of like... it, It could be a kid's gaming station but it also was very much focused on adults right yeah. and i just remember my dad what brought him back into video games was the sony playstation and was the japanese rpgs and i didn't get it like i i didn't really get it like i final fantasy 7 was flashy and it impressed me as a kid but i would only watch him play rpgs i would not play chrono cross I would not play, uh, you know, Final Fantasy set. I wouldn't really play the games. I would sit there and watch him play the games because he was crazy wild about uh, JRPGs. And I was still interested in stuff like Knights and stuff, right? You know, mm-hmm. so it's like 
I think that I think that a lot of the the RPGs and JRPGs really have a greater appeal for you know folks who are in their twenties and up. You know, like younger kids and teenagers weren't as into them as older you know teens and adults. You know, this is true. That's just that's just what I think. You know, and so they did. Sega didn't. Sega was always saying they wanted to be a little bit edgy and and focus on older kids and stuff, but they really weren't focusing on like adults who, you know, adults have experienced a lot in terms of video games and stuff like that. And now they're older and they want something more with a narrative. They want something more mature, something with, they don't mind the text because they read, you know, you know, so yeah, definitely. So it's just crazy. It's it's interesting to think about that way. It's like, it's like, you know, it's a lot of people didn't view these consoles as like, you know, adult entertainment machines until like, you know, Right. Years later where it's like, oh yeah, everyone's playing the new and that's the new entertainment medium, but back then it's like I think Sega still saw it was like a kid's thing, like a Right. Like I found Lunar appealing. I found Lunar appealing because there were cartoons. <laughs> you could watch like inter- you know, all the FMV cutscenes, which were, you know, kind of few and far in between in terms of like how much gameplay there was, right? But I would so I'd watch my dad play Lunar. Um, Silver Star Story complete on the PlayStation. I was like, okay, this is cool. And he kind of would explain to me why these games are so, why he liked them so much. And he's like, they're just, there's just more depth. There's, more, you get more game for your money, you know. Um, and and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And of course, I ended up loving JRPGs, but it did didn't come automatically. Like I didn't really get it. I mean, it happens. Games like, like Vi. I think there's yeah. things like like instances like like with music, like you know. You don't just jump into mo- mo- like a lot of like the experimental jazz or like the like the mm-hmm. more weirder bands. Like you have to ease yourself into it. It's like you listen to bands that were inspired by that. Listen to bands mm-hmm. that you know are kind of like that, or like a mixture, and then you go straight to that you know genre. Right. Like so, I liked Link to the Past, but that was about as close to, and that's not really you know a JRPG, but it's more just like a action slash RPG. RPG. Yes. Yeah, action, yes. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, but but yeah, so I I came around, I came around, but I guess I represented some of that segment of of the U.S. that wasn't interested in in RPGs per se. But yeah, what they weren't looking at is like all of the older teens and adults who were totally ready for RPGs. They were like, that's that's what's going to hook them, actually. You know, precisely. Yeah, it's we really crazy. got philosoph- We really got really deep into that topic in just the intro. Yeah, right. no kidding. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to round off just by saying uh, the other sort of nerdy, exciting thing that I've uh, finally accomplished is um, I have finally replaced each and every single one of my long box cases that had cracked or missing hinges. So this took mm. a total of 40 um, you know, new long boxes, and I got them all from different sources. So mm. I did end up, the last ones I picked up uh, were actually the ones that LRG had made years and years ago, and then they never ended up selling them. Remember how they uh, right. only used them for their own limited editions? Well, I don't know what they, they must have, I guess, dumped the rest of their stock onto... Amazon? It was, yeah, it was that subsidiary of Amazon, and it could be just because I'm in a different region that I wasn't getting it on Amazon proper, but it was like a similar website. I think it it wasn't wish.com. I don't want to say wish.com because it wasn't that, but it was something similar. Anyways, I took a chance, I ordered them, and and I got them, and it was the LRG stuff. So I've now had the first and second run from the uh, fellow in Alaska, and then I've also Mm -hmm. had now the LRG ones. And believe it or not, my favorite ones were the uh the alaska ones i did i wasn't too, me too. right yeah me okay too. so that's not just me. i returned i returned my limited run ones and i told audi i was like no offense 
tell manufacturing and he probably did but it's probably a moot point at this point because i don't think they're going to go back and it, did you get the thing where the tray the gray so when they deliver them to you it's all separated right you have the trays and then you have the cases right correct it's not like they're put together right, right. and so you assemble them you put the artwork in, you put the gray tray in, and it it locks in on one side, but then it pops out on yes, the other side. So you're like, my okay. God. Then you pop it in on the other side, and yep. then it pops out yeah. on the other side. 100%. They, they aren't machined. They are not machined properly so that the, the gray insert tray actually fits into the thing properly. It's like off by half a millimeter or whatever. So it's so frustrating. I was like, I can't. I'm it's always that tray, though, cause, right? Because like, like even the first run of the Alaska one, was like the trays well, the, just like slid slid out. They just like flopped out. Oh, I thought it was more like the they wouldn't the, close the or door something. Door would right? not close. Probably so you just that like too, hold yeah. it there, and the door would and the manual would fall out. But yeah, with the second run of the VGC online or whatever the Zy Zy gauge or whatever, I don't know what they're. It's like I don't know. I think they're sourced from China, honestly, and then probably. they're sold by yes. Chris Alaska or whatever. Yes. So. Essentially, I don't know if they're still making them, but those have been the ones that I've used for every, you know, proto release that I've done. And those have been the ones that I've used for if I've replaced any. I'm OCD, though, Peter. So, you know, like I've tried to keep all yeah. of my cases OEM for the most part, you of know, course. and that's hard. Of course, know? it is. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point. Oh, you know what? There is one other thing that I guess I should quickly mention. I got my very first uh, prototypes. So that's something that I've not oh. collected before, but I got um, three prototypes. They're not too exciting. They're, What'd you they're get? sports games. So one is NBA Action '98. Um, hmm. Another one, like so, like and two of the three of them have previously been dumped. But it's just cool to have like an acclaimed disc or like a Saturn sure. pre-pro pre-production disc. One of them mm-hmm. has not yet been dumped, but it's simply a, a slightly earlier version of um an nba game and there has been a later prototype dumped so you know i'll probably uh dump it Kay and is still and, gonna want yeah that. <laughs> and and put it up there you know not horribly different or anything but it was just really cool to to get a couple protos so that's um that's a well, new sort of dimension hand, though, you could snap in half if you want what i was just saying like <laughs> I, I like the idea you have in the power like it's like I have the power. I could dump it. Yeah. Or I could oh. snap the disc in half. My God. Oh God. Yes. I don't even I, want to I, contemplate I will, that. I will change the course of history. <laughs> That's right. And you just know, snap. It's it's true though that it's just nice to have. Like it may not be super significant, but like even that silver that that K sent me of uh, Sega Touring Car because mm-hmm. he knows that I mm-hmm. like Sega Touring Car despite its flaws. Having that, it's nothing really big. There's probably several silvers out there, but just to have something special like that is kind of nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly uh, right. Yeah, like, so, I mean, I wasn't the, hunting for, you know, a prototype to Knights or Grandy or whatever. It was just I wanted to have something that was physically, you know, worked on by devs and, and you know, burnt these mm-hmm. special discs before it was release ready. So, um, Oh, and you sent me you sent me something amazing that augmented my already like one of my favorite games enemy zero mm. on the on the saturn you sent me these um i don't know they were like trade show flyers yes like, uh, cards really they were like on card stock yeah uh, at, at like e3 or something and that so those go with my copy of enemy zero now and it's just like nice. check this out you know like yeah, yeah it completely augments it to the next level you know for me Oh, definitely, yeah. and that's the whole point. Like, I'm not. It's not like I'm going to spend hours and hours playing these protos. That they're just going to essentially sit there. But they're, they're like a physical connection to for when these games were made for me, anyways. So right, you know? right, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so totally agree. I think that we're just about ready to wrap up the longest intro that three guys have ever done on this podcast. Well, um, thank you for watching the, the podcast. <laughs> So yeah, so let's dive into the main uh, main topic of our cast, and really what we're going to be doing is just very casually talking about all of the cool different developments that we got to sort of experience and live through through 2023. And I'm not going to, you know, go through any particular order. We're not doing this in order of importance or impact or even mm-hmm. chronologically. I'm just going to be start uh, firing out uh, some different topics, and you know, we're just going to talk through them and, and what these these uh, um, developments meant to us and uh, so that we have, you know, a bit of a record of what went down in 2023. Um, and mm, so, again, in 2023. Yeah, it, so, yeah, so when future generations listen to this podcast about the Sega Saturn, they'll know what went down in 2023. So I'm going to I'm going to start off with, um, you know, this was a big one, uh, uh, several months, uh, uh, I'd say middle of the year, there was a leaked document, a 1997 financial document from Sega. And that was really like the community jumped all over that. It was dissected yeah. backwards and forwards. I know we talked about it a lot, you know, Panda did an amazing deep dive video and it really gave, uh, I think a, a look at sort of what was going on at Sega of America that we mm-hmm. haven't really had before. This isn't something that people talked about, that their situation was A, quite dire, and B, that mm-hmm. they knew exactly how poorly they were performing against Sony and whatever. But of course, the, the mm-hmm. public sort of face that we got from that was not, you know, it, it was it was, it was was all bravado and we're, we're fine, everything's good, you know, no issues here. And yet they knew behind closed doors. So, so to me, that was a because very you don't significant. Want the, yeah, you don't want the shareholders to get upset. You don't want the stock price to plummet. So you keep a you keep a mm-hmm. positive face to it. Yeah. But I mean, and internally, you you're just like that you're bleeding. Internally, you're shitting bricks because you're like, what are we going to do? You know how yep. how do we write write this course? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that was probably the biggest news to come out of 2023. Um, and, and, and it should be said that along with that document short, just sh- days later, we, a week later, we also got the Arima Jiri, yes. uh, lecture, which kind of, uh, was tacked on to the document in terms of like storytelling, um, because it also, it, it confirmed several, it confirmed what the document said, but it also, you know, uh, clarified a few things about like the Saturn's architecture, you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 You know, I okay, so I remember even back when the Saturn was current and this started even as early as I would say 96. So just before mm. this uh just before this fiscal uh review document would have been created, some of the sort of more uh industry focused or maybe well-connected publications of the time uh, you know, there was a lot of, well, Sega should just pull out of the hardware market, stop selling the Saturn, and just go third party. That's where they're going to make their money, etc. And that was such, uh, like, anathema, like, to me at the time. Like, the Saturn was still quite fresh, you know? It still had life. This was even before Nintendo launched uh, the N64, and it was like, what are these guys even talking? Like, where's this coming from? I, like, this made no sense to me um, as a teenager, you know? 
but then but then you look at it through the lens of well first of all experience i guess and and you know being involved in in business in some ways but then you look at it you know you you look at what was in that 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 document and it reveals just how badly they were doing and that they knew that they were doing mm-hmm. this badly and it's you know it sort of makes sense i mean the fact that they stuck it out as long as they did is surprising considering what they already knew mm-hmm. you know so 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 far in advance um and the fact that they even went ahead and and produced the dreamcast all things considered because i mean really i mean you look back to you know sega saturn sony playstation and at least for those first few years a lot of folks treated them as relatively equal like it wasn't like sony was this big giant that dwarfed sega etc but really they were it was definitely a david goliath situation um, where Sega was small potatoes, they were they were you know they they absolutely were in way over their head. I think by the time Sony came in, and and did what they did, and this just kind of sheds a new light on it. You know, I think when you go to Vegas and you play the tables or whatever, you're always going to lose because they say the house always wins, right? Because they can just keep betting, right? They yeah. have money for days, right? It, whoever has the most money is going to win, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well. Nintendo and Sony were both companies with huge cash reserves, yes. right? Sega was never a really wealthy company. You know, they 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 were a talented company. They were richly talented. They had a lot of they had a lot of smart people. They had a lot of they took a lot of risks. They were scrappy. They they made great stuff, but they were never a company that was just flush with cash. Right. You know? o- o- um, Okawa did give. Um, a lot of his money, you know, uh, to kind of like infuse the company and keep it going kind of on life support. But I mean, that still was a, just a drop in the bucket compared to what Nintendo had. Right. Yep. So it's like Nintendo and then even by, you know, Sony could come in and just push a ton of weight around because they had money for days to, uh, and, and Sega just didn't have that. So it's like every, every decision Sega made, made such a big difference because they didn't have just cash to burn, you know? And so that promise that Tom made to us retailers, you know, when you're trying to take on a juggernaut like Nintendo and you're trying to gain parity in the marketplace with them, you have to make certain deals because no, no large retailers are just going to let you come in and give you the same preferential treatment. Nintendo had been passing them, you know, whatever deals under the table for years you know to not to mention they already had those standing contracts and not to mention standing that, contracts yes, and relation yeah. really, so never I mean, really released anything that bombed heavily besides the virtual boy so it's like up to that point at least how exactly so how do you how do you come in and push your weight around what weight do you have to push around what uh what ace in on in your sleeve do you have well tom Kalinsky was like okay let's just make promises let's let's uh we'll I have so much confidence in us to win that I will sign a deal that's very uh, that doesn't favor us at all. It basically says we will give you plenty of stock, and if you don't sell it, we'll buy it back. Yeah, uh, that's cocky right there. That, but I mean, and I don't want to throw Tom under the bus and say that he was just being cocky. I think he really believed that the Genesis had uh, what it took to win. He was confident in it. He had done that kind of those kind of tactics before in, with Mattel and stuff like that, and you know was used to taking risks and was like, okay, let's play the long game. Let's make these sign these 
I don't know, kind of like crossroads deals yeah. with the devil. And the, th- and the things that he kept <laughs> keeping alive, like, like I mean, you, you should hear him. He had like, they were still putting out right. Genesis stuff even during 97. Like they had yes. demos yeah. of stuff. Even like right. they, they're showing off like, you know, the the Nomad and stuff like that. It's like, what are you doing? It's like. Yep. It's like. And I mean. But yeah, to be yeah. fair, the precedent, it's like, it's like back then, it's like hindsight, we could say like, you know. We knew we knew it's a bad idea, but in hindsight, it's like, mm. well, they never did anything like that. Maybe it could be like a generation thing where they have these old consoles that you know still have life in them, and you still put stuff out on it and still have that support for it. But we don't have the money. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't make gambling like that. And it wasn't just Sega of America's fault. It was it was Sega of Japan's fault too. You there, you can't place blame on either side. But when people talk about the animosity between Sega of America and Sega of Japan. It was definitely real because they didn't even want Tom to do that in the first place. They didn't want Tom to pack in Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. They when when Tom went to Japan, you know, with uh, Toyota uh, Shinobu Toyota and um, and Al Nilsson, they went to Japan uh, and and pitched it. Everybody hated it. Everybody was like, "This is stupid. This is terrible." They were kind of almost like uh, you know upset about it, and even. Even uh, Nakayama was just like, I think this is a terrible idea. And everybody in that boardroom thought it was a terrible idea. But I promised you that I would give you the reins and let you do whatever you want. So go ahead and do it. That was at the beginning of the Genesis. Yeah. So like, as, it, as it's going on and they're kind of looking at the bottom line and seeing, um, you know, at first they're seeing reported profits, right? They're seeing reported profits and they're like, and okay, so he must be doing something right. But then when they finally caught up in what late 95 or early 96, when they finally corrected their books in Japan and started accounting for the U S like for all of the buybacks and losses, then they, then they see the big picture is we're not making money at all. In fact, we're losing money, like millions. And so then it's like that animosity towards Sega of America just gets cranked up to 11, you know? Yeah, like they, they, there's so much resentment. There's so much resentment because they're like, it, because Japanese culture is so conservative, especially when with money and coming out of a huge economic, you know, crash. You know, yeah, yeah. just being a recession that, that, like because the '90s that they just came out of that recession '92, so it's like exactly, yeah, right. So so yeah, like they so they considered it foolish uh, the way that the company was being run in America, and and so yeah, there was there's there was. I don't know that it was so much a pride thing as it was just like feeling like the way that the Americans are running that side of the company is just kind of careless. Well, I think a lot of know? American companies are always like, you know, they, they sell more than they, they lose more than they earn in the beginning to make that prop be able to get right. that market share. Like, I mean, uh, yes. Microsoft did it. Sony did yep. it. Yep. It's, like, it's a sound idea. Yeah. It, it works, you know, and you do make money on the software you do, but, but nobody knew, I didn't know, nobody knew about the whole buyback thing. That was a deal that never should have been signed. But I realize now that that's maybe the one thing that Tom had to do in order to be able to get into Walmart and Toys R Us and stuff like that, you know? That's it. Like, it's, yes. it's hard because, like, I mean, they already, they already, like, burnt bridges, like, in the beginning of uh, Saturn's launch with the whole surprise launch mm-hmm. and KB Toys and stuff like that didn't want to hold it because it's like, well, we didn't exactly. get any or like we had a surprise thing. It's like, well, you screwed us over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and then you had, and then them they you know were of course putting out the 32x like a piece of hardware that just did not move units. 
uh, it's so much so that they had to, I don't know what Pat was saying, what they, uh, they offered it in test markets for like half the price or like a quarter of the price. Yeah, not to mention the they're salvaging right? it them points for, for the chips in it for, at that for point. For parts, yeah. Isn't that wild? Right. Like that's crazy. I mean, that's how, that's how much it didn't sell. And that's because, and I, my theory is that by that time, globalization had taken in, in the news. U.S. consumers were hearing about the Saturn, you know, um, whereas before we were kind of blind to what was going on in Japan. Yeah, we had people like, oh, yeah, we import, like they had the import sellers, like, you know, in the last, right. po- the, the podcast with Mel that we did, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah so everyone you, knew they could just import it. If if you're he- if you have a Genesis and you are thinking, oh, I have an option to pay $150 for a 32-bit add-on, or I can just wait you know, half a half a year to a year, and I'm going to get this new 32 bit powerhouse. That's or not out even. In Japan. They can just like go to a, a an import seller. Or I can just import yeah. it. Exactly. Yes. Yep. So 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 that's the thing. Global people. It, we weren't blind to what was going on in Japan, and so with the U.S. consumer being a bit more savvy uh, in the fifth console gener or leading into the fifth console generation, just nobody bought the 32x. It just didn't sell. You know, so it was a doorstop basically. Yep. And um, and with combine that with the buyback, combine that with the signing your your soul away to have to buy it all back. Now now you're really hurting. You know, um, because that's a ton of hardware that, uh, that that costs them so much money to fabricate and then have to like buy it back. And there's shipping, there's freight shipping and all that uh, associated with all that stuff. So it's just. It's, it's a, a lot of money just it's wild. It's a nightmare. I mean, I mean, was it? Yeah. They said they had like a, a hundred thousand copies of was it Sonic Two, in a warehouse. Sonic. They overproduced. Yeah, they overproduced Sonic Two. It was a phenomenally popular game. Um, almost everybody with a Genesis bought one, but it's like they they made m- way more than they should have because they ended up with what two hundred fifty thousand extra oh, wow, copies yeah, two, of Sonic yeah, Two. Yeah, I thought it was. Lower. Yeah, it, was, it was something crazy. It was like a quarter of a million or something. Um, I could be speaking out of my ass, but I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, there are a lot of figures in that document. Yeah, it makes sense why it's easy to find complete copies or like almost sealed copies of those oh, for di- yeah, like sure. nickels on the dime compared to other games. They didn't go into a landfill or anything like that. They just ended up getting sold, you know, through Wholesale these places that would buy pallets of games. Yeah, like you know, Jared Nickel. Um, what is it? Project uh, COE. Matt, uh, yes. Project COE. I talked about how you know th- there were pallets of uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, you know, that were picked up late, you know, uh, after the console wasn't selling. And yeah, you get these, uh, you get these like game exchange companies who sell new old stock for years and years after the games, you know, it's all starting to dry up now in terms of Saturn. But I'm sure if you've been on Amazon or anything, you've seen these like resellers that have like, yep. Air of Zendor six, I yes. still remember six sealed in a box, yeah. and then those end up on eBay for ridiculous prices. Yeah, but, I remember seeing like you know yeah. on just like back in the day, just like sealed boxes of games, Sega games, uh, any mm-hmm. game. Like I still remember like even Nintendo, they had a F Zero uh, seal that like game stores even back in like two thousand eight. Right, yeah. right, yeah. 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 If it didn't, it's crazy. if it didn't end up in a landfill, then it's probably like rotting away in some some warehouse, some warehouse somewhere, and, right? Yeah, till it ends up seeing the light of day, but you know, and every once in a while we read something like that on Kotaku or something unearthed, you know, a bunch of copies of street fighter two alpha. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy stuff like that, you know, but what it did, what those documents really did for us as a community, I think is just help kind of paint 
a more accurate picture mm-hmm. of Sega's downfall, really, and what what led to it, and and that it wasn't the Saturn. Actually, it it wasn't like it can't all be pinned on the Saturn in the Dreamcast, right? It was basically starting. Oh, it's like the Titanic hitting that iceberg, right? It started all the way back with the Genesis, you know, yep. and the water was coming in, and then there were several things along the way that they could have done to keep the ship afloat, but they didn't do those things either, you know? So, you know, because with the story of the Titanic, it's like they had those bulkheads, right, that would close off and keep the ship afloat. But, I mean, there were there was shoddy craftsmanship. There were, you know, other missed opportunities with that. And, of course, the ship ends up going down. Well, the Saturn, you know, Saturn, as we all know now, is a great console with a lot of great games. And if you just look at it objectively, like Jesse, for example, looks at it without any context of history or knowing that it was a failure, he just thinks, oh, it's a great console with great games, right? Mm. Um, And it is. Uh, Had it been released simultaneously uh, in the West as uh, as well as Japan and had them, they made a really concerted effort putting all of their eggs into that basket and making sure that it had, you know, like, you know, at least 10 to 20 great launch games and several to come, it may have done a lot better. But instead, of course, as we know, Sega had so many different holes in the dam that they had to plug up. You know, they had the Pico and they had the 32X and they had the Nomad yeah. and they had the Game Gear. And, you and know, it's like, like gamble after ch- gamble, you know? Yep. I mean, if I could attribute a yeah. quote to them, I would have to say that, you know, it's like, now you swear and kick and beg that you're not a gambling man, but you find yourself mm-hmm. in Vegas with a handle in your hand, really. Oh my God! <laughs> and it's like it's, it's like it's like you know it's like Kalinsky's like you know he's like you know I'm not this isn't a gamble you know we're gonna keep doing we'll do it again you know we'll stop you know we're gonna go back Jack do it again and like just mm-hmm. you know try these gambles and it just never really paid off and it just turned out to be more gambling than you know actually business mm-hmm. tactics like oh let's try this mm-hmm. try this thing or try supporting this still it's like it's like what about mm-hmm. the Genesis it's like can we stop with this Genesis thing dude. But in contrast, what Sony had was money for days and one console. Yeah. One machine. Yeah. One console on. and all the developers. Singular, singular focus. Blinders on. It was just like this. We're putting all of our combined power into this one machine and making it the most phenomenal success ever. And, and I think they and, really um, set, we're gonna, they, they set the, the precedent with that, though, because now that's the whole thing. It's oh, like, yeah. okay, we support this console, this one a little bit, and then, oh, it's dead. Okay, now we move on to the next thing. Blinders on, focus on this solely. Make sure it's the best. It can I don't be. think. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's ever been as huge of a seismic change in the games industry as there was at that shakeup oh, when yeah. Sony entered. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like even Xbox, it was, it's not even like I mean Xbox. While it did right. something similar, it wasn't on mm-hmm. level of Sony. Like Sony is like the big juggernaut now. It's it's like the earthquake that just shook everything up and the dust settled. And this is like, this is the new industry now. This is what yep. the new norm is. It's, um, you know, fully realized dev kits and easy to use tools where you can bring in novice coders who have a little bit of C, you know, C knowledge, but they're mostly like designers, game designers, artistic folks who can, you know, and you can build these huge teams that can create a game that's like a Hollywood movie, essentially. You yeah. know? And if you think about it, like even Sony, even with all with its blunders with the PS3, it really has mm. been on a mega great track like 99% of the time besides that 
that like small mm-hmm. time frame between 2006 and 2009 where the games are just like a bit gimmicky and stuff. Well, like so, mm-hmm. the Xbox, it's like Xbox, like countless, you know, uh, stumbles and fl- and blunders, and like now it's even like now it's not on the pedestal that they had back when you know the Gears of War mm-hmm. and Halo Three and all those other games. Mm-hmm. But Sega really did used to mean something significant to this hobby, and it really was this arcade amusement company that was throwing their hat into the home console ring. You that know? was their roots. And that was their yep. heritage. That was their roots. That was their heritage. That's what they knew. Small teams working really hard to develop these games that were very kind of simple, but very pure and just focused experiences, you know, um, sometimes at their own detriment in terms of like, you know, critical response, like not enough tracks, not enough, you know, going on in this game because arcade heritage it's like it's all about the pick up and play right Mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of sega experiences are even even a game like jet grind radio jet set radio is you know very pick up and play yes it's got more depth to it and it's got like a storyline and everything but i mean some folks just want to you know skate around and grind and and spray paint walls and stuff you know and it's it has kind of an arcade feel to it even though it's not an arcade game, you know? Yeah, and that's what I like about Sega, though, is that you don't have to... It's not a mega time investment, and that's why I love Sega arcade games, because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. you could pick up something like, you know, Border Down, or you could pick up some of the shoot 'em ups or, you know, some of these other, mm. like, just fun games, Power Stone, play a little bit, oh, I Absolutely. lost, and then put it down and do something else. Like, it's not like a... Mm-hmm. It's it's what I like about the game, the Sega games in general, is that I can actually, you know, I have to sit down, oh, I have to plan out time to play this RPG for mm-hmm. three hours. It's like, okay... Uh, I don't have anything to do for a couple hours. Let me kill some time, load, load up the arcade machine, play some, uh, play some, you know, uh, Puzzle Bobble, or play some, you know, uh, some of these Sega games, mm-hmm. uh, shoot 'em ups or Power Stone or something. It's like, okay, I'm done and do my thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I mean, they gave us stuff like Soccer Wars, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yep. I mean, they are divert. They are diverse for sure. But that Sega at its core is really that like arcade company. You exactly. Know? And uh, yeah, so. Okay. Okay, so how's this for a 2023 event? Towards the end of the year, we got to see some footage of Metal Gear Solid running on the Saturn. Thoughts? I mean, so first of all, do we think this is a thing? Do you think it's going to potentially get... What I mean is, like, will it ever ever get finished and see the light of day? You know, would Metal Gear have actually made a huge difference had it come out you know, on, on both consoles, you know, back in the, back in the day, you know, let's, let's, let's sort of talk about it. Like, first of all, have, I'm assuming you both well, have played Metal Gear it. came out in 98, right? 98. Metal Gear, yeah. Metal Gear Solid came in. Yeah. So Saturn was dead. <laughs> so no, I don't think it would have made a difference, but uh, yeah, it's a great game. And it really depends on Frog Bowl. It really depends on these developers. What do they want to do? Like these developers. Yeah. A lot of times they just, it's, it's like no offense, but it's just really like, you know concept like i'm just doing this to prove that saturn can do it right right. i mean and 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 in all fairness he's open about that like saying that that's that was my impetus for doing this i just want to prove that saturn could do it you know i a lot of times i don't think that there's an end goal of like porting the entire game Mm -hmm, to saturn mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unfortunately and it's not like any it's not like there's a whole ton of qualified individuals out there who can like help out you know well he's slowly working on it though you see him like uh you, I mean, he just did yeah. the VR mission update as of VR this recording. Mission, yep. Uh, yep. But he also exactly. is working on something else that's pretty big recently on Dreamcast. 
on Dreamcast, Sons of Liberty, right? Yeah. So he's yeah, trying to port that. That's crazy. So it's it's really prolific developer. I'm very surprised that uh, yeah. all this is happening so fast. But yeah, all of this is real. It's like that's what's yeah. crazy. He's definitely it. got the chops. He's definitely got like the the coding chops, yeah. and um, and that's obvious. But uh, yeah, whether or not the there's a plan to kind of like, I mean, for example, XL2 gave us this amazing Unreal yep. version of Unreal, mm-hmm. right? But he has no plans to port the entire game to to Saturn, right? He gave us like a couple levels, um, and that was great. But yeah, a lot of times it's like uh, they're they get. I don't know. I think I think it's just a project like that takes so long, and they're oh, just huge. constantly yes. on to the next challenge. Like, okay, I, I conquered this mountain. Now on to the next challenge. I'm not really here to like do the entire game. You know, I just it's more like proving to myself that I could do it, and then moving on to the next thing. You know, so I I try not to get my hopes up. <laughs> you know. No, and that's. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, I just look back to '98. Um, and at least in Japan, anyways, that's when Konami decided to uh, take a lot of their uh, bigger PlayStation games and port them over to Saturn. So Vandal Hearts came over, Suikoden came over, uh, Castlevania Symphony mm. of the Night came over, and I'm positive mm-hmm. Metal Gear was initially on that list. And it, it, you know, mm. it could have been that even in Japan at that time, the Saturn was kind of fading because you'll remember at the end of '98, Dreamcast launched out there, so. It could have been something that was maybe on the drawing boards, but but you know was very quickly abandoned. So it's sort of it's an interesting sort of window into what could have been to see footage of Metal Gear running right. on uh, on the Sega Saturn. Um, well, well, Pat, what was the speculation about that? Like somebody, they, there was some speculation. There's some speculation that there was code of Metal Gear Solid that was run through the Saturn, probably towards the beginning of development, and maybe is dropped hmm. to focus on PlayStation, but. Honestly, my theory about the Metal Gear series not making it to any Sega console is just timing. Because Metal Gear Solid mm. One came out in '98, they want to put on sad, they want to put on, on PS One. Maybe they were thinking they were going to do the, the Saturn plan, but by that time it was probably towards the end of that console and Dreamcast is coming. Well, or if it not already came like months later, and they're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, and like even if it's like, oh, maybe we could try Sons of Liberty. By the time Sons of Liberty dropped or was in the like the ending of development. Uh, they killed Dreamcast because Sons of Liberty came out like the end of 2001. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the record, Metal Metal Gear Solid plays great on uh, Dreamcast. Yeah, you can play you can play with the Bleamcast. The Bleamcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> you technically sure speaking, can. you yep. can play a Metal Gear Solid game on a Sega console. On a Sega. Yeah, 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 and it absolutely. plays great. It plays great too. Yeah, but yeah, like, like I said, it's it's just all timing, and I think I think it would would have been definitely playable. It definitely would have been portable, but. It just mm-hmm. they just decided not to do it, and mm. I mean I can't blame them. I mean I think by that time the writing was on the wall for both consoles, so it's like by the by the time those mm-hmm. two were in development, it was kind of yep. hard to justify. Hey, let's mm-hmm. put resources into you know put it on Dreamcast, and it's like the focus went to PlayStation Two only, which uh, for better or worse, I, I guess subsistence too, I suppose. But you know. based on based on what we know about the Saturn and like what we talked about, Pat with um, John Linneman, mm-hmm. is that like whenever the PlayStation was the target platform for development, it was always going to be harder to kind of port things. You know, you always had to kind of do things differently. You and and figure out clever ways to use the Saturn's VDP two and everything to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't it was never going to be like a straight port. It was going to be like work. You know. 
Um, and, and the same goes for the PlayStation. You know, if the Saturn was like the target console, like Grandia, you know, then porting it over to PlayStation, you had to make certain sacrifices. But like with the PlayStation's development tools being so much more straightforward and I think mo most likely quite refined by 98 or sorry, at least like 97 when they were working on it, like it, it would have been a lot of work and taken a lot of time to do that. I mean, as we know from Castlevania, right? Con right. Uh, lots of corners cut, sacrifices made, and even then it was like difficult when you're not just programming the game for that from the console. ground up right exactly. from the ground up yeah and imagine that effort for for like Metal Gear Solid would be intense or almost improbable right. for lots of effort and lots of time you know which they didn't have I you know they didn't have time uh, so yeah so here's another game that um, uh, did come out in 2023 uh, how about Tomb Raider unfinished business so these are the levels from the expansion pack from, from the PC way back when, and they got a full and complete Saturn port. Um, so this is something that I got to try out a few months back and totally love it. So, you know, it was it's obvious that it was, uh, you know, it's, it's the original Tomb Raider Saturn engine and, and the new levels have been sort mm -hmm. of ported in. But, I mean, just such a good job was done with that. It, you know, it's literally plug and play. I mean, if it's, if you've played through Saturn Tomb Raider, you can take these levels and plunk them in. They make sense. Um, and, and, you know, all things considered, they run really well. And so it's just super cool to play certain you know new tomb raider uh levels in in 2023 so i mean i had a ton of fun with it what were you guys' thoughts on tomb raider unfinished business i'm not really a big well, tomb raider guy so i'll just make my my thing quick so dave could talk with you about it because i've never been a big fan but <laughs> i appreciate that what it was wasn't it just like it was only like the gold the port of the thing so is it like you meant like new levels on yeah, saturn yes though, right? yes it's not really yeah, so t I think it's really cool. I appreciate for for fans of the series. I'm not really, I never was really there, and I'm really never a Tomb Raider guy, but I'm really appreciative that they did that and allowed fans to play, you know, a more complete version of that game. So that's just my thoughts on it. So this was uh, Retro Raider John, right? Mm -hmm. I think I'm so, I'm trying yes. to remember who we have to thank. I was the lead developer, but there were other folks uh, associated with this project. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, again, like, I'm kind of with Pat, honestly, like I, I like, I have a copy of Tomb Raider, incredibly important game in terms of like when context of when it was released and everything like that. And I do enjoy it, but I'm not like that Uber, honestly, Peter, you're the most qualified person <laughs> to talk about this because I'm not like a super like Tomb Raider on Saturn fan, you know, mm -hmm, I'll mm -hmm. fire it up and I'll have fun with it. But I find that it's incredibly frustrating mm. uh, because of the controls because so you should, so you know of course like Tomb Raider's come a long way um, in in terms of control and stuff like that and I'm a much bigger fan of like the Dreamcast game uh, than you know mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. the the Saturn one or the PlayStation for that matter like I have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of uh, great memories watching my dad play Tomb Raider on the PlayStation mm. and whatnot but like yeah so I'm Tell us, uh, tell us what you think about this, you know, and what uh, what folks who are huge Tomb Raider fans have to to check out here, or what why they should care. So, well, a couple things. So, first of all, I agree uh, with both of you that 
this release will be incredibly satisfying to fans of early Tomb Raider games. Like, if you're into the latest Tomb Raider stuff, then this will seem mm-hmm. very archaic. It will seem like... Right. So, first of all, it's, it's not going to look uh, all that good, and it's going to control in a very sort of strange manner. Um, but for what was achieved in bringing over some, you know, fairly large and open environments to the Saturn at a respectable frame rate, uh, in a way that it it can splice in quite well with the with the rest of the original uh, release. Not that that's what's included on the disc. It's just the, mm-hmm. you know, the the uh, Tomb Raider Gold levels. But um, but it's cool. So it's. Um, worth checking out if for no other reason than it's uh, it's more new Tomb Raider and it is uh, you know a lot of really large and open environments which the Saturn tends to struggle with. Um, so to mm-hmm. see it running, um, you know, and to be able to pick up a Saturn pad and and have a go with with Lara Croft is really cool. And I mean, I haven't got this working yet, but there are rumors that the Nude Raider code that was uh, rumored for the. Uh, the original release has been programmed back in, so if any of you are playing and you discover the cheat code, let us know. We haven't got it got yeah. it running yet, but uh, <laughs> don't stream it unless you want your YouTube okay. channel canceled. But they they have added the they've added in like the handstand, which yes. was in the PlayStation yes. version, right? So they yes. did that. They've done you know a lot of little little refinements. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, you know I can fully totally appreciate this from just a. Uh, you know, just a challenge aspect, like what it, what it took to get all of this done, you know, and, and definitely, I think I would have been much more impressed back in 95, sure, <laughs> 96, sure. you know, but yeah. So, you know, but, but as it is, I think that this is really for like Uber Saturn, uh, Uber, you know, Tomb Raider fans, which they, there are several out there. Yeah. Absolutely. So my, my thing is, I wonder if this is, would they even qualify for the game competition because of what it is like i don't think that'd be possible for them to really hacks patches and translate maybe under the patches well even then you know, like I'm i think sure. it's more like a a built from iso so it's like a download i don't think they have a patch for that to my knowledge yeah so I, I mean like there's there's definitely a ton of work in there but to call it an original game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good question i don't know that's kind of a paradox it makes me wonder about the like I'm the million sure. solid thing too if, if frog bowl does put that in the game competition if that would even be qualifiable, because technically it's a copyrighted game, but also it's a homebrew game. Mm-hmm. So there's an oxymoron right. there, a yeah. contradiction. So it's like how you would deal with that is is interesting. Okay, so so then here's a development that maybe you are way more familiar with, Pat, because I'm, I'm not. Uh, so I'll maybe let you talk about this one a little bit. But there's been a lot of Mr. Core updates to the Saturn. Uh, in 2023. So what does that mean exactly? And, you know, what did we get? Um, and I, I apologize for putting you on the spot a little bit like this, but I don't know anything about this. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, so for those that don't know, Mr. is a FPGA, uh, FPGA, uh, was it a, what's a, I wouldn't say console. Field a, programmable gate It's array, like a, right? I'm FPGA. trying to think, mm-hmm. a, a platform would be the apt word for it. It's not a console. It's more of a platform for being able to play consoles. Uh, basically, the way that it works is, I guess, the, the simplest terms, it emulates the chips on the the platform that right. I originally intended, not the actual playing the games. So you're playing mm. on actual hardware, technically. You're playing a Sega Saturn, yeah. basically. You, uh, that, that, that the entire chipset of the Sega Saturn motherboard is programmed into this FPGA. So it works the same way as a Sega Saturn motherboard. Flaws and everything, right? Exactly, exactly. And basically, it's gotten to a point, it's been released probably, I think it was like last year, 
But now it's gotten to a point where it actually is added to the main Mr. Download. So if you want to install it on the update apps and actually download it that way, instead of having to download a pre-production build, you can do that now. Like, do you find that it's, you know, it's quite viable now? Is it quite solid? Is oh, yeah. it stable? There's a lot of games that play on it. Um, there's still some issues here and there. Like, I had some audio issues running bulk slash when I tried that out, the dub. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, for the most part, it's been running pretty well. A lot of games that I could not get running are running pretty pretty competently. Hmm. Okay. So I think it's a nice, competent platform. When I say it's at the point where you could throw out your Saturns, probably not, but... Uh, it's mm-hmm. getting pretty pretty close to there, if not almost at that level, where it's like you can use that instead of a Saturn. How does it perform compared to a really competent em- Saturn emulator? I wouldn't know. I don't. I honestly don't use Saturn emulators. I think Saturn emulators might still be a little bit edging it out a bit, but it's getting there. That's going to change soon. Yeah, right? I mean, as they yeah, m- I mean, because obviously you can output 4K to the Saturn emula- on the Saturn emulators. You can't really do that to the Mister. You could do it, bring it up to 1080p, but you can't really make it like you know rendering 10, 4K. But with this new Mars FPGA uh, development that's coming out, it might be able to output 4K Saturn la- that way. But right. that's a whole other can of worms that there's no info on it. But as of this recording, mm-hmm. it might be a couple months away or maybe a year away. I don't know. There's not been really updates. It's just showing a shell of it and some pre-production mm-hmm. stuff so i'd like to talk more about the mars fpga when that drops but that's okay. an mm-hmm. unknown that's going to be dropping right now at the end of the day though like a cycle accurate emulator takes up a ton of pc resources mm-hmm. right you have to have a very beefy pc to do cycle accurate emulation whereas with the mister it's just designed to operate exactly uh, from a hardware level as a, as a sega saturn so uh, the end game uh, when when they're finished with it, when they're finished with all the cores, it will be much more accurate. It will be as good as it as good as it gets. Basically, um, if you need to do the 4K stuff and you need to like upres the textures and stuff, that's not really what the Mister is trying to achieve. The Mister is trying to achieve 100% perfect accuracy exactly. to, to parity mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the machine. So all that extra stuff you're going to be doing probably in emulation. But for folks who want a, an archival grade device experience yeah. of, of Saturn for years to come you know FPGA and the misters yeah. is the way to go you, you so that's exciting you can't promise performance out of the chips or the CD drive but right. you can promise performance out of a FPGA implementation of it right and we know I mean like it's not just the games anymore that are going up in price the the consoles themselves the hardware you know, is yeah are the hardware is getting up there right you know and um, yeah it's true like I, I kind of like to say for folks who are like deep who are like willing to, you know, take a risk buying a broken Saturn, you know, like Sega Steve was selling broken uh, CD burned out, you know, CD laser burned out Saturns for like 20 bucks. And then if you get a, uh, you know, you get a Fenrir or you get a Satiator, you know, then, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, you've got a Saturn with the library, you know. Um, I kind of regret not getting those, to be honest with you. (laughs) <laughs> because like but i mean it's you know, true like i say i, I, I kind of really oh, not getting it so i can get different versions of it so i could test things out and mm-hmm. put odes in there but you know mm-hmm, true mm-hmm, true hindsight and all but i mean you know with uh if you if you're looking for like a good working condition saturn now what you're looking at what like a eight, anywhere from 80 to 120 dollars depending on for the, US where you're one, buying maybe, from yeah. if you get a deal i know sixty was for, selling for like Japanese a US. white ones for like 60 bucks a pop so 
I just saw, we just saw an eBay listing this morning. Uh, somebody posted in the discord group. It was like a, a Japanese Saturn with the fight stick, with the gun, with a bunch of games and everything. It was like 160 bucks. I was like, dang, that was a great deal, you know, to get it. It was like 30 games or something like that. Yeah. Crazy. And, and that's so the thing with like Yahoo Auctions starter kit. is that if you want deals, if you want Saturn deals, go to Yahoo Auctions, get, do the buy, whatever proxy or you want to do. That's how you get the yeah. best deals on these options. And yeah, you're going to pay a little bit more for shipping, but at the end of the day, a hundred bucks for shipping plus, you know, whatever the mm. retail version of 300 versus, you know, paying maybe, maybe like 60, 70 bucks for that. It's like worth it to mm -hmm. me. And this was, this was just an eBay listing, but it was yeah. a Japanese seller. And I have to say, you know, pay, go with a Japanese Saturn, buy from a Japanese seller nine times out of 10, the, the console will be in so much better condition than you would get for anything you find in the U.S. just because culturally how they take care of their shit. Yes. And, and if you're a Western yeah. fan, you know, like if you're in the United States, you just play, like you can just play into the mains. Like I know a lot of people talk about power conditioning and stuff, but if you really just want something that, you know, you're not going to want to archive great pristine, just plug it directly mm -hmm. into the thing and it'll work. And it'll be fine. Yeah. Because yep. they're what, 110? They're 110 and we're 120. 120, so it's... And there's a tolerance. level of tolerance. There's yeah. There's a tolerance. As long as you use, I would say, as long as you use a really clean power strip. Like Pat has like a what was it, a Furman strip, or you you had like a really nice um, power strip that you brought to PRT. Yeah. But it, you you use something like that that kind of uh, delivers clean power and has like a surge protector. You you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't plug it directly into the wall. Yeah. Definitely because not. that can be kind of dirty. It can be kind of dirty. And um, anytime there's like a power spike in the neighborhood. Um, that can kind of do long-term damage to the power supply. Like you won't see it immediately. It'll still work, but it does kind of hurt those caps. You know, yeah, to be fair All though, the, I wouldn't know, recommend so, so anyone plug anything directly into the wall anymore. Even if it's directly into the you, wall. Like, yeah. I put everything well, I have from into a, into a power strip, then into the wall. I don't even mess with that. It's just like some people when they're testing it out, you know, when they're first buying and yeah. testing it out, they'll do it without thinking about it. They'll plug it into the wall just to yes. see if it works, you know? Yep. And I just don't, I don't recommend doing that. I always recommend cleaning your power, uh, because power at the wall can be really dirty. Uh, yeah. and which is just to say that it's not, it's, it's all over the place. It's and to be fair though, if you want to do it for quick, quick and dirty testing, that's fine. It's not consistent. Just, as long as you don't like, you know, have to put it mm -hmm. through the, if you have to do it long term. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah, what else? There have been some cheat codes uncovered for games that have gone completely undetected until last year, 2023. So I'm talking about, you know, extra characters in NBA Jam. There's been some uh, mm. codes in Shining the Holy Ark that were discovered. Mm. That was a new thing. Even things like, you know, the debug features in Knights, which admittedly, you know, there, there had to be some some diving into and burning rangers and burning and burning rangers, yep. yeah. Bo bales. So yeah. so you know these are things that have been completely undetected for decades, and yet here they are. They've they've cropped up. Um, I have to admit, at least for me, anyways, I was pretty excited about the shining the holy ark stuff, and I'll get to knights and and burning rangers too. But you know to and and I tried it, and I realized that with most of the codes, you needed the Japanese because it was all about like how you input your name at the beginning of the adventure. Because uh, you can rename mm -hmm. your, your main guy. And so if you rename him, that's where you would input the quote-unquote code. And the majority of them required a Japanese copy of the game because it required you to input certain Japanese characters, right? Although the save mm -hmm. files mm -hmm. do work, you know, 
they're they're cross region, so you you can start out with a Japanese copy, create your file, input your cheat code, and then play the rest of the game right. in uh, on your U.S. copy. But yeah, like there were there was at least one that that was fine to just try out on the. Um, on the U.S. copy, and I tried it out just to see because I, I could not believe that decades later we would find a new significant cheat code for Shining the Holy Year. But it worked. Like you ended up, I think you start out this code I tried out gives you twenty of some special item to start with your inventory, um, and and it totally worked. So you know, an, amazing. And then same with NBA Jam. You know, two secret characters that uh, there was uh, Kitsro, Tim Kitsro, and some guy and, named Fox. Uh, Fox. Oh, and then okay, yeah, that's what it was. Amazing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, that, that we're finding these because, of course, b- people are folks are like Adam, diving yes. into these games, like diving into the code. I, I imagine that this is probably the case with a lot of games, honestly. That that, and of course, these ones are kind of like the high profile games that folks are really picking apart. Um, you know, it's probably the case with many, many games on the Saturn and the PlayStation, you know, it just, uh, I mean, they found one Final Fantasy, I think like maybe less than five or 10 years ago, the, uh, the last quest that they forgot to find and like a seven, uh, it's like one of the family things. It's interesting that, but it's still interesting that a lot of these stuff is either it's hidden behind guides that are Japanese only that, you know, people in the United Mm -hmm. States never found or like. You know, the co- no one really cared because it's like, why would we right. dig into a game for the Saturn that wins in a play? Like, so even the makes... cutting room floor was like, you know, hey, we don't really want to make a new article for this. Like they had, like, like Malenko had to drag his feet, drag their feet to be able to, you know, get an article made just for the the Saturn version of of a cutting room floor is a NBA Jam article. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's because I think, just speaking for myself, I think that. Everyone, so everyone has a different take on this stuff. Like some people are really excited about it. And Mm -hmm. I think it just has to do with whether you're into the game or not. And, you know, like the Tomb Raider unfinished business could, could be just kind of like a a footnote for someone. And then for like Peter, it's like a huge deal. Right. That's true. Uh, And, and, and if you're like a huge Knights fan or a huge burning Rangers fan, the stuff that Bo Bales is, is coming up with. And, um, uh, Andrew, um, I forget his name. I, I don't. I don't want. I want to give credit where credit is due. Andres Scholl, I think. I, I don't know. Um, there's there's a few folks that are like digging up stuff uh, in Knights and Burning Rangers, and I just think that it's like if you're a big fan of those games, then absolutely, you know, that's going to be big on your radar, and you're going to, you know, think that it's really significant. So obviously, these folks are just kind of like, oh, this is too too little of a thing to talk about. But no, actually, I mean, like for the announcer of the game mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Uh, to have a character in the game, I think that's kind of important, you know. Um, yeah, actually, I'm looking. At, looks like they cut it from NBA Jam for these for the article cutting the floor. I guess they delete the article, which I think that's dumb of them to do. But oh wow, whatever. That's it's, too their, bad. it's it's their website. It's their website. They can. Do they want but to NBA Jam the book, like they they were thrilled about it. You know the Twitter account that's uh, attached to the book. It, you know it makes you wonder though, like how much of this stuff has just been lost to time. Like I'm sure at some point these codes or cheats or whatever must have been documented somewhere. You would think, but maybe right. not. Like maybe it was just two or three programmers out of the whole team that that knew about it or implemented it for testing purposes or whatever, or even just to mess around with the game and. Maybe there was just never any documentation about it. And so now through data mining and just really examining code and whatever, people are finding this stuff. So, I mean, to your point, Dave, it's quite possible that a lot of this stuff exists on, uh, you know, on, on the older games. But, 
but maybe it's just never been out there. It's yeah. just never been documented. Yeah, I would, I would, I mean, if, it, if this is a small sample, but I'm guessing that it does, you know, that it's the case with several games. It really just comes down to finding people to dig through these games, you know, but you have to care about the game to, to want to dig through it like that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's fun. It's funny how so much time goes by and it's like, if enough time goes by, is there anyone left to care about it? Yes. You know, you're like, guys, yes. anybody, anybody, yes. come on, look at, the, you know, and it's just, everybody's like, it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, they're just like, serious. yeah, okay, good. You know, I mean, but yeah. So, I mean, there are folks that are like really enthusiastic about this stuff and then other people are like what why should we care you know it time time renders everything obsolete uh, i was never i'm never a huge fan of cheat codes to begin with like for stuff like you know infinite ammo or this and that because i always thought it was kind of a weird thing like right. the only mm-hmm. time i really used cheat codes was like stuff like challenge modes where it's like oh start the game with me it's like okay cool i like that it's kind of a mm-hmm. fun challenge like you know you know it's just like cheat codes are kind of made trivial by things like action replay, you know, and then Truth. well, even, even like that. Sorry, is that, what I like, is that like the action replay? Codes it, you know what I mean? But yeah, when we were kids, it was like a, a cheat code that was programmed into the game was just you know, you, you, you know, it was a thing. You know, you you would look at every ma- the back of every magazine to try to like Figure get all those codes, codes and yeah. write them down in your notebooks and stuff like that. Yeah, and then. You got like the game genie and the action replay and that kind of, and now like flash carts have built in cheats yep. built into them. And you've got people hacking things like the Genesis mini and adding cheats and safe states. And well, they already had safe states, but I mean, all, it's just, it's become so trivialized that we just take it for granted, you know? Uh, so another headline that we had was Shining Force artist Tamaki Yoshitaka dies. And, you know, I think back and not too long ago, we lost the artist from Panzer Dragoon series. And there's been some other, you know, high profile folks that, I mean, Bernie Stoller uh, passed away not too long Mm -hmm. ago. So, you know, we're entering that that sort of period now, like here we are in 2024, the Saturn turns 30 this year. And a lot of the folks that mm-hmm. were involved in its creation, you know, with the with the uh, you know game development, hardware, whatever, marketing, they're passing away. And so, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of somber. It's a little bit, you know, it, it's just a dark reality, I guess. That, you know, where are we all going to be as Saturn fans in another thirty years? Like some of us are just not going to be around. And you know, right. that's it's such a thing. I mean. You know, something is in the mainstream, it's at retail, whatever, whether it succeeds or not. I mean, you know, it's going to be the same thing with, say, for example, the PlayStation, the original one. Like, those people that were there to create it, or the, the initial sort of hardcore gamers, like, you know, you just give it some time and they're all going to they're all gonna pass away. And, you know, that kind of got me thinking about, well, you know, what does it mean for me as a collector or as a Saturn fan or whatever to have all this stuff? Like, I just got a bunch of proto-discs, like I mentioned, and that's super cool and important and vital to me. But who's going to care right. about that in, in you know, even today? Like, who is going to care that I've got a slightly, you know, earlier version of an NBA game from 98? Like, is anyone going to care? You know, and... and Only you, really. Like, <laughs> do you know, but it's, it's, you know, we laugh, but it's true. Like, and, and you think of right. folks um, like us or even, you know, guys like Kay or Sega Steve or whatever that have these massive collections of obscure weird items that have these stories attached to them and whatever and mm-hmm. you know that is all going to fade and it's going to fade with us and we're seeing 
you know, part of that group starting to fade away now as, you know, some of the folks that worked on this stuff are, are you know, are uh, passing yeah. on. I mean, that's why you got that's why you got folks like John Hancock, you know, who wants to, you know, take because he's got such a massive collection. It's like, what do you do with that? Like, you can't take it with you. So you might as well like. So have, I beg to differ. I'm getting know, buried don't, with my donate collection. it. Or, <laughs> yeah, Pat, Pat is the exception. Of he's going to get buried of with course. his his dream cast. Yeah, he's going to. Um, he already sleeps with the thing, so you know. He, of course, he's gonna get buried with it. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. It's, it, I mean, it, it's a good point, though. It's like, like I don't know. There's, I, I think there's always gonna be somebody that cares about it. I think one of the things I always hear that's mm-hmm. curmudgeonly talked about is like, uh, <laughs> like oh, the NES, oh, the Elvis collectors. You know, they, they don't care about the stuff anymore. It's going for less money. Obviously, nobody cares about it anymore. But I mean, with that Elvis movie coming out, it showed sort of begging to differ that you know. There's always going to be some sort of spark or inspiration to make these things relevant again, you know? I mean, well, mm-hmm. not now. I mean, and, and like going back to that death thing, like Peter was saying, I like the idea that, you know, there's a legacy left. Like, well, I'm not going to be around in like probably 100 years for the, I mean, I'm planning to live 100 years, so 100 more years on top of what I have right now. But like the idea that like after I'm gone, I'll still have this podcast. Like it'll still be there for people to listen to. Mm-hmm. I don't know who is going to be listening mm-hmm. to in 100 years, but... Maybe I, mean, I guarantee somebody's going to be wanting to listen to it. Like, there's going to be people listening. Yeah, to it's stuff. all it, it's 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 basically all relative to the amount of impact that it made in the first place. You know, exactly. Like, it's fair to 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 overcome the sands of time, I guess, or whatever. To overcome like that that just obsolescence that you get from so many years. You got to be like, look at the Beatles. Like the amount of impact that they made in order to overcome that and be relevant for decades if not centuries is uh it's a lot right so i mean you took you take something like the saturn and you put it in perspective and you realize that it's incredibly niche like it made an impact but it's like a drop in the bucket compared to like the kind of impact that the beatles made or that uh i don't know jesus (laughs) i don't know you gotta like i mean like i guess there's always going to be something that inspires people and having that spark which i was like with the beatles like right i wasn't i mean i think every like 20 or so years there's something or 10 years the beatles release something that makes them go back to the spotlight again like the beatles rock band with right everyone playing that mm-hmm. or like you know the uh the mono mm-hmm. mono stuff or the new recordings of beatles songs like there's always something every 10 years or so that 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 jolts the beatles back into relevancy and i think mm-hmm. as long as that happens i think that will keep the stuff alive like i don't think i don't think honestly i, I don't think you should record a podcast with me in like a hundred years like and like forty years, <laughs> if something happens, and like you know, mm-hmm. try to pretend I'm there responding, that'd be kind of too weird for me. <laughs> the reason, the reason you're asking these questions, Peter, though, is um, and and in this, it's funny. In this recent, uh, we just released. Well, it'll be old now by the time people are listening, but we just released a, um, an old interview that we did with Sega Lord X, right? <laughs> and he mentions in there how when when you start thinking about your own mortality, everything everything hits different, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, you get over 40, you start going to the doctor, you start getting bad news. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you start hearing that you need to make certain changes. Uh, Cause you're just not, your body's just not the same as it was when you were 20 and you can just completely abuse it and ignore, you know, all, you know, you really have to start actually taking care of yourself. And when you do get to that age, you start thinking about your own mortality. And when you start thinking about your own mortality, you start asking these questions like, 
what what kind of legacy will I leave? What kind of legacy did the Saturn leave? Is it enough to is it enough to outlast just you know the just the constant uh, tides of time you know that are just kind of wear it down just like rocks on a riverbed you know to the point where nobody really remembers it or cares you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah these are the it's funny I, I it's definitely these are definitely like existential questions but i've asked the same question recently and pat's like why you gotta be so old <laughs> why, you, why you gotta be such a curmudgeon no, cause, cause I remember you talked you <laughs> talked to somebody about that like uh yeah and they're, they're, i talked to adam Cora. Oh, like, he's well, like okay you're over, he's like you're overthinking it buddy no yeah he literally told me he's like i'm too busy to think those kind of questions yeah. <laughs> yeah. but i mean it's a good point I though like, i think uh i think yeah. there's different perspectives on it maybe Maybe it might feel Definitely. differently in ten years or so. Like you never know. Like yeah, he's he's still in his thirties though too. Yeah, and I do agree. He is busy. He you keep busy, you don't end up giving yourself enough time to think about those kind of things. But it is true. I think I think all of us eventually kind of ask those kind of questions and think those kind yeah. of. Yeah, I mean, things, I definitely know? think about that. But um, I just think about well, I guess everyone's gonna die, so it doesn't really matter at the end. And it's like, I just gotta do the best I can to it, leave a legacy. Yeah. Like you know, leave something where it's mm-hmm, like, hey, remember yeah. that Patrick dude that played video mm-hmm. games it's like or like mm-hmm. did this podcast it's like that's really all i want i don't want to like but when it when it comes to collecting and hoarding i'm going to bring this home here because pat makes you know pat's gotten rid of a lot of his stuff he in favor of mister you know especially yeah. a lot of the stuff that just takes up space and he doesn't use you know peter ha- has had an enormous collection over the years and i believe peter you said you got rid of your n64 yep. liquidated a ton of stuff didn't yep. play it you you, pl- you play it on the Wii Virtual Console and stuff, yep. right? But yep. you're not, uh, and that's good enough for you, right? So it's like we Peter and I did an episode on this, talking about you know OCD, hoarding, collecting, that kind of stuff. And so when it really does come to like amassing like this huge collection that you couldn't even bury with yourself because you would need like several coffins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what the, that's that's uh, what that's the in- life insurance is for. <laughs> that's oh the life insurance. That's that's where you got That's where you just gotta, you know, ask yourself those hard hitting questions and say, okay, what what what's really worth it to keep and what's really not, you yeah. know? And and what could I give to somebody else to bring joy to the, their lives? You know, like maybe I could sell this soccer war standee to Pat because he would, <laughs> you know, he would get <laughs> so more you joy out of it. But yeah, like the thing is, the thing though is that it, the thing to me though, it's like what I keep is more of stuff that I can use at conventions. Like I don't need, mm-hmm. like okay. if I were just having the CRTs to have them, I would just sell them. But like I bring the CRTs to the conventions to get them played. Like I, I, no normal right. person needs a six, seven PVMs. Like you don't need that. Like, you, like right. I'd get rid of that mm-hmm. if I didn't, but a lot of stuff I keep or stuff I need. So it's like, Oh, the dream, the multiple dreamcast. Well, for conventions or right. multiple Saturns. Well, for so testing. they're working machines. They're work. Yeah. They're, like you, I said, this is, you're putting them to work. Exactly. This is all for like you doing what I do. Like I need it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like I don't need like things that, that there might be a time, like I might, we might move on to something or talk about other consoles. So it's like, if I, if say for example, for the next day, we're like, Oh, let's talk about PlayStation. Now it's like, well, I have this PlayStation. So if I got rid of it, it's like, Oh, I have, just the mister now i mm-hmm. can't really talk about you know the cool things or the, some of the games or use b-roll and stuff i'd have to rebuy those and i guess technically mm-hmm. i could rebuy them and sell them again but to me though it's just like i like having them for the idea of having you know props having things to tie up for the show like my business like vinyl though mm-hmm. like that stuff i should probably sell because you know i'm not i don't listen to the majority of it anyways but it's still nice to have you know 
Yeah. I mean, but th- there's no harm in talking about it, honestly, because yes. you, you look at the demographic of who who listens to us, who watches us. It's all, you know, guys our age. It's mostly, mostly, you know, dudes our age, you know, and I mean, we do we do have a few, uh, you know, younger listeners and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's probably folks who are asking themselves the same questions. You yes, know, exactly. Because it's coming things, up. You yes. Know? So that. As the days yeah, go it's on, it's definitely, definitely. Yeah. And um, I guess mm-hmm. my whole thing is that I guess just find a use for it. Can you use it? Is it like, right. do, you use, do you do entertainment or do you want to do the possibility of entertainment? It's like if you have it, use it to talk about, use it as props. Like, like do something. Yeah. Like, uh, like I know that a lot of people will rag on Steve Wright Jr. for that, but the thing is that he comes and goes his collections, but he does it for entertainment, and it's like he has a reason to do it. And yeah, I guess maybe you know, whole, maybe not selling it that fast and getting it is. If you really want to be a hardcore collector, but it's like, I think he's with it. He just uses it to improve his life in ways. So I kind of mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. going from, oh, why do you sell the collection that many times? To, you know, it's like, well, he did it for a purpose. Like, there's a reason he did it. You know, yeah. and yeah. I don't, I don't blame I mean, every, him for it. Every, everybody enjoys this hobby differently. I, I would say re- retro gaming or gaming in general. There's a lot of ways. To, I mean, some people are really just interested in the history at this mm-hmm. point. They're interested in doc, mini docs and stuff like that. Some people literally just the thrill of the hunt and just yep. the act of collecting games is the hobby for them. And some folks are all about, you know, just playing a bunch of old games, you know, and enjoying them, you know, um, kind of with either rose tinted glasses on or just kind of looking at them for what they are and kind of reviewing them. But literally there's no right or wrong way to do retro gaming. It's just, it's just whatever it means to you, whatever you enjoy about it. I mean, I, mean, so I think setting, on I fi- setting them on fire and putting them to a bonfire is the wrong way, but for most, do you it know would anybody be. who's done that? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen people burn retro collecting stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Oh my God. Yeah. I said there, there, um, there's right and wrongs, but I mean, there's not really a wrong way if you're serious about doing it. Like, I mean, if you really want to collect, you know, like all these weird sports games. That's fine. Do it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I sports games get a bad rap. I think, but they can be fun. I mean, not all of them after, are great. They can. They right? can be fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to mention the fact that as we entered the year of 2023, we had just a ton of awesome stuff dumped on us in the form of the Sega Extreme and uh, you know annual contest that they do that emerald kind of hosts mm-hmm. and i find this funny it's it's like most of the year we're kind of cruising along there's a few things that come but because of this contest everybody enters crunch mode in like the fall you know and starts like just pumping out all of this excellent stuff and it's funny because it comes at a time when it's the holidays and we've got like a ton of stuff going on but that's when we're getting like the most saturn stuff so like actually recently um there's a ton of translations that are being worked on that are starting to like show up and be posted on on sega extreme for the for the uh contest that's wrapping up this year you know Mm -hmm. so pat and i and and peter and nick we're all about to get really busy (laughs) with all of this amazing stuff that's coming for 2024 you know but basically it's all because everybody kind of waits until like the last quarter of the year and then they're like okay now i gotta get serious (laughs) and like enter crunch mode you know to get this stuff done by the deadline. No, exactly. You know? And it's like, it's like, it makes you wonder, speaking of that, like, I remember we used to joke, you know, tw- 2019 year of the Saturn, and it makes you wonder, yep. yeah. like, is, I mean, and that was like only a couple of games. It's like, it was that really year of the Saturn? Like, I'm thinking about that. And it's like, what would you guys say is the year of the Saturn? Like, what would you say 
as of 2024. Every new every new year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every new year. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, like, like I'm not sure that added. we've actually peaked. Like I'm sure there will come a time where interest in it decreases again but we're in that renaissance period and i'm not sure that we've hit the peak yet like every year seems to be more than the year before to yeah, me so anyways yeah. i can't remember hmm? uncle from another world was that 2022 That's or 2023 22 okay but then uh we ended up getting all the episodes in english finally uh in 23 and i mean there's a show that just gives a lot of love to sega and the saturn specifically you know so you you do in 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 con with content creators with you know the media and you, you just start i just am starting to see it more and i think maybe that's because the nostalgia has finally we're finally coming to the time where a lot of japanese folks mm -hmm. have nostalgia for the saturn because it was a very mm -hmm. real you know thing in, in their called i mean pat and i just we met this little japanese couple at prge that came to our booth and you know they wanted to you know play to check out the pluto and play some virtual fighter 2 and stuff like that and i still it was can't just, believe she pulled you know, out twinkle star sprite it's like twinkle I star sprite yeah it was her every any yeah. game you could think of and it's my she favorite has game good taste right? yeah. one of the best <laughs> yeah that's exactly. just insane i i really regret <laughs> not going over and asked her to play a match because that's one of my favorite games of all time nice. i think i was just so busy yeah. filming because that was when i had the camera like we were just like wrapping up the filming and that stuff so it's really weird right but, yeah yeah but yeah, and it just makes you wonder. I don't want to. I don't want to be full of myself. But I, I like. I don't know. Like I always consider this. Do you think we might be a part of that renaissance in a way? Like, I, I well, don't sure. want to be. 100%. I mean, like, I, yeah. It would be impossible to say that we aren't. And this isn't to you know. I, that's what I'm worried about. I don't want to be full of myself. Up. But it's like you think about. It, it's like people don't go up to us and talk to us, or you know, they don't do that unless we made some sort of impact. Like they, like you know, they did at these conventions right. or. You know, like Bob at Retro RGB coming up to us, or you know, people go. Well, to I definitely think you know. Yeah, I definitely think Nick has. You know, with Pandemonium, uh, Sega Lord X, of course, over the years has. Uh, we have just continued to push so much content out there onto the internet. And if you do a Google search for Saturn, you're going to you can't throw a rock without hitting something Shiro related, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in a Google search or, or a Google yeah. image search, you're going to see a ton of like a ton of content from all those people. And so, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, we've been the town crier for the last, you know, eight, five, what, six years now saying Sega Saturn, you must play Sega Saturn, yeah. you know? And I think it's, it's at least made a dent, you know, to some extent. Yeah. And now you have the Sega guys who are also huge uh, Sega Saturn fans and they're pumping out content as well. So, you know, definitely, and we have to, you know, because somebody's got to keep that Sega love alive. Because it's not, you know, it's not as, Sega is not the same company that they used to be. No, right? exactly. You know? um, and, and, I, and I think they that we try our best to do it and do the job we can. But like I said, I I, yeah. I, I like to think we we made some impact as well. I just don't, you know, I think it's kind of weird to think about think that. I don't like to, it's kind of weird bouncing. It's like, I don't right. really want to, you know, pat myself on the back, but it's like. You don't want to pat, pat yourself. Oh. I don't want to patch, patch myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh man! But but no, I mean you know it's it's undeniable. I'm hoping that we don't. I mean I'm hoping I we don't uh, you know claim any kind of responsibility for pricing being what it is. I think that that's really just down to supply and demand. Yeah. Although we may be we may have a we may have a part in driving demand. You know because of course we're opening people's eyes to all yeah of that's all that's a know, good thing though stuff. like yeah. you know you can't you can't do anything about it you either shut up and say nothing 
and just or you or you tell people this is out there. It's to great. be fair though, we're, we're not like judging people's collection. We're even telling people, you know, don't no. buy yeah. these overpriced games. Buy an ODE, buy burn a disc. Like, right. You know, we're right. not yeah. trying to like yeah. be like, oh, we're doing it so we can raise our own prices on and sell our stuff off and make a profit. Because I guarantee you, I mean, we all sail. We all sail the seas, right? Yeah. <laughs> we all, but and we and we always say if you can buy it, if you can support Sega, if you can support success or whatever. Yeah, buy company, the remakes, you know, buy the Taito, remasters. Give them your money. You know, do support these companies when you can. But I mean, when it's a game like Hisatsu, yes, <laughs> download the thing, you yes. know, and play it, yeah. you know. I, or yeah. you and know, the things that the things that out of all of us, I don't think any of us sold any Saturn stuff in the years since we started it. No, I've, I don't o- I've only so. acquired. No, <laughs> no I yeah, <laughs> I skew very heavily, like more like a hundred percent towards acquiring, <laughs> acquiring exactly. Yes. Stuff. So it's like this is yeah. a. If anything, we've made it harder for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're, we're we're put we're. I was the one that like I bought I bought Magic Rare through nine hundred dollars, like I mean yeah. oh my god, and now now it's a lot more than yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's like it I mean climbing. I shot myself in the foot. I could have bought it when I first started and then like sold it for that, but it's like yeah. I just won the game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's 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 still so much that we are just not even going to have the time to get through. Things like the tribute games that have come out on modern consoles. Things like the new you know retrobit controllers with the built-in uh, analog pads. Even things like earlier in twenty three, um, our friend San Segolo released his Red Moon Lost Days, like his homebrew game, as an actual pressed release. You know. So yeah. so like there's just been so first, much first one. yeah that was so there's mm-hmm. just been so much but you know like I'm just wondering so now we're in 2024 what is it that you guys most look forward to that you want to see whether it's you know a translation or something in the community or just like what is your like fondest Saturn wish I guess that you you know you you'd love to see in uh, in uh, 2024 mm. and I'll give you guys a second to think about it. I mean, maybe I'll see if I can, um, if I'll kick us off. I would love to see some relatively easy way uh, to have a fully fleshed out, completed, somewhat modernized dashboard for the Saturn. Where, you know, once I boot the machine up, I can access my memory manager and go into my floppy drive. Or I can, you know, have some kind of feature mm-hmm. where I can send save files over the net link to friends or whatever. So so that would be my fondest right. wish. And, and you know, mm-hmm. over and above that, I'd love to see the translations continue. I mean, we're up to, I can't remember if it's 30 or 40 games now that you know, have been translated over the years and there I, there are more coming. So, like, you know, that, you know, that is fantastic and I would love to see that continue on. And then just, yeah, any any sort of ephemera or historical uh, stuff like we had with the, the big Sega document, the fiscal 1997 uh, dump that we had last year, if anything like that, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we had stuff like that that kept con- uh, continuing to come out, that would just tickle me pink. So those are the things that I look forward to uh, from the community. Uh, what about yourself, Dave? Right. Well, I, I definitely know that, uh, you know, I agree with you about the BIOS thing. I know you've wanted, like, to offer a bounty on mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. to do that, you know, to be able to, like, incorporate a better memory manager and everything like that yep. and just create, like, a BIOS chip that we would replace, yep. you know. Uh, I think that's a great idea. You know, for me, being put on the spot, not really um, – I think I'm going to go ahead and say that – and I don't know if this is going to happen this year – 
I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I'm really hoping that Seven Shades is able to finish Cube Cat mm. um, and wrap because what I want more than just that specifically, like and putting that pressure on Seven Shades, I would love there to be a fully realized, fully completed 3D homebrew game on the Saturn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? One that is not just a tech demo, one that is not just a couple of levels, you know, but a fully realized game that sets a precedent, you know what I mean? That 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 stands as a milestone to the community and says, okay, this is where we're at now. Um, we've 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 kind of graduated from that those early awkward stages of, you mm-hmm. know, doing a bunch of demos or doing a bunch of small little game jam games, but like this is you know, stands as like the first of hopefully many to come, kind of like the Dreamcast enjoys, you know, of fully realized homebrew mm-hmm. games that can actually be put out there, you know, and and potentially even um, sold commercially, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily for to profit anybody specifically, but just to just to establish that precedent of Saturn having a homebrew library, you know, where people can actually start like collecting new games for the Saturn again, mm-hmm. you know? I think that that would be amazing. I do really appreciate um, what San Segolo did, you know, with with Red Moon Lost mm-hmm. Days. Mm-hmm. And I and even that is kind of a short, shorter, uh, you know, on the short side. Um, but it's definitely the most fully realized experience, uh, gaming experience that he's done, you know, that his studio's done. And I'm, I'm certain that he's going to continue to move the chains and up the ante on, you know, what he's putting out. But so I, I really do appreciate that being like that standing as the first commercial release. But now I would love to see a 3d, mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. you know, maybe cold case, maybe cold, you know, like that shocked me seeing, yes. seeing what he was able to do with cold case. Yes. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, you can't really do that with the patches, you know, the patches is really just, you know, it's a, it's a passion project and it's a badge of honor but nobody's going to be selling it or anything like that. It's a, it's a done deal. They're just patching it and making it available for the community. So I'm definitely looking forward to many, many more translation patches, but just to have, you know, a fully realized game like that homebrew 3d homebrew game, I think would be amazing. That's what I'm looking for. Nice. Where are you at, Pat? Um, I really want them to finish a princess crown so people can stop asking us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a Excellent. good one. That's a good one. Yeah, but, uh, just but please, somebody put us out of our misery. Yeah. But uh, all joking aside, uh, uh, one of the things I really want is I know there's all these translations, fan translations, and people did wonderful jobs in doing that. But one thing I want is reliable software that you could feed, you know, the 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 games, the the video into a like OBS or something. And it will auto translate it on the side, so like mm. there's software to do that does it right now. But everything I've worked for worked with, uh, that's not like even just PC stuff that can access the memory is not reliable mm-hmm. and is really like really doesn't really work as well as I want it to be. Because like the idea is like mm-hmm. I love these trans fan translations, but expecting somebody to to translate zero zero four or do type R doozy or like some of these really mm-hmm. obscure yeah. ones. Like, cause I mean, I right. don't want it to like, you know, take the, the fan translations, the fan translators jobs away, but like just having a vague idea so I could do a stream of it or talk about the game or, you know, have sure. fun with it. Oh, it wouldn't take their jobs away. Cause, cause what you're talking about is a transliteration, which is basically just no con, no added context or, or, or cultural, you know, trans localization. You're just talking about basically translating it exactly as a machine would. 
and so that you have an, enough of an idea that you can, you know, fumble your way through the yeah, game. Yeah, I'm right? not asking for like a full, like be able to tell what the story is. Just like a, hey, this button is start, right. this button is go, this button is shoot. Right. Or like a hint, like, oh, hey, right. don't kill civilians or whatever. Because I have a trouble I with that. I have issues killing civilians in games. I think you really want to go on your date with Whale Man, don't you? Pat? I do, From, I do. Yeah, that's the but, the truth but comes yeah, out. That, that's the thing, though. I I mean, I guess I guess like, learning Japanese obviously is probably the smartest idea. But I guess the idea is I want to be able to play these games and like you know do more streams and talk about like games that nobody really knows about or cares about and make people care about it. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's something I would love to mm-hmm. have, like in the, in twenty twenty four, if they had something like that where you just feed. Like a really reliable way to feed into the feed it into it and just like get transliteration automatically. Like that's that's all I want. Like that's once mm-hmm. I get that, it'll make my job a thousand percent easier for doing what I do. But that's nice. really all I want. Yeah. Nice. I would love to see. I'm going to add this in. I'd love to see that uh, some kind of commercially released uh, receiver for the 3D. Oh my pad, goodness! You know? Yes. Right. Yes, because yes. we do have the we have the blue the what the BT mm-hmm. um, yep. dongle, you know, the humble bazooka, and that works great. But just to have that Bluetooth receiver come out in some kind of commercial form where I could buy yep. one, <laughs> that would be amazing. 100%. You know? Well, whatever twenty twenty four does end up bringing, I think it's fair to say that twenty twenty three has been just a mountain of developments. You know, translations, you know, cons, and, and just all kinds of just wonderful, wonderful things. And I, I truly do believe that, you know, this sort of renaissance period that we're in with the Saturn hasn't crested yet and that the really, you know, the, the best is, is still yet to come. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you all uh, had a really solid start to 2024. All the best. And uh, just a quick reminder, you must play your Sega Saturn. Thanks so much, guys. Play it or die. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's right. That's it. You got it. All right, I'll burn your hits. collection if you don't play the Sega Saturn. What? Ouch. And on that note, <laughs> we're good. that's another episode in the books folks we hope you've enjoyed it and this is my absolute favorite part of the show and that's when uh, i get to call out our patrons or supporters uh, who support us month after month folks you know i've said it before i'll say it again we are absolutely nothing without you you make what we do possible you make what we do fun and you are my fire, the one. Yeah, we're not. We're not gonna do that. 
Yeah, so how about we just, you know, we just call out the folks that support us instead of me singing Backstreet Boys. So huge, huge thanks to A Murder of Crows, Emerald Nova, Ioannis Fetz, Michael Sabah, Nate Lawrence, Sega Steve, Shadow Mask, Blue Moon 95, Causal Seth, Serelian, Chris Piper, Chris1997XX, Daniel Frederickson, David Zaney, Derek Pascarella, Fat Drunk Friend Otaku, Gem Clash or Rank, Ian Keg, Jay Hersey, Justin, Mamdu Maduar, Normal Guy, Nutrageous, Robert Ramsey, Rowan Dinch, Stone Man, Tanuki Trev, The Sega Guys, What Is This? and Young Money Sway. Thanks a lot, you guys. You are amazing. Amazing. Excellent. Crazy. Shocking. Well, 2023 has been absolutely a blast. I cannot believe that the Saturn community is still picking up steam. And here we are in 2024. You know, we've got the Sega Extreme game competition right around the corner. Like, times are good. This is the time to be a Saturn fan. And, you know, what awaits us? Who knows? But I, for one, I am so glad that you were all along with us for the ride. So long, folks. guided tool. Show, get back to your seat. Got it. Destination, the central core of the spaceship. Full blast. Roger. Roger. The real battle starts right now. Welcome to the fantasy zone. Get ready. That was too close. You were almost a jiggle sandwich. <laughs> You're right. Barry, thanks for saving my life. Rain thunder. Very long, easy right, maybe. Vega, Mang TT Superbike. Won't let you have it your way, Tyrion. What a slapper head! Tell me why. What? This podcast is a Shiro Media Group production.